Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. This is an episode that I am very excited about because um, I recently had the privilege of praying with someone as they accepted Christ as their Messiah, as their Savior. And this is a person I won't be able to talk to very much in the future at regularity due to like distance and other variables. So um, afterwards, I came home and my wife was like, hey, you guys should do an episode a field guide of sorts for someone who's just gotten saved and wants to know the practical next steps on what to do. And so this doesn't replace, obviously, church or anything, and we talk about that, but what it does do is give you practical first steps rooted in the Bible and experience on what to do when you first become a believer in Jesus Christ. So the things that we talk about tonight are going to be broken up in small segments so that you can, maybe if, if you know some of them, you can skip to different ones. If you have a friend that you know just became a believer a short while ago or did a long time ago and is now just taking it seriously. And this is a great episode that you can forward to them. And we're hoping that it can be used in that way. So we first talk about mentorship. Then we talk about where to start reading your Bible, ways to read it in a way that's going to actually give you the correct meaning of what you're reading, um, the way to find a body of believers, the importance of it, practical things about how to address becoming a believer with your family and your immediate family members. That might be a really important one for someone who became a believer and their family is not. Um, what to do if you're married to someone and you become a, a believer that's not? What if you um, are a part of a, a family? What if you are a child and your parents aren't? How to handle that in a tactful and prayerful way? You know, we go through establishing a prayer life. Um, what if you are still in sin? Not that anybody isn't, but what if you still wrestle with a sin on a, on a pretty serious level and you don't know what to do about it now that you are um, sanctified vertically? How do you do that horizontally? And, and what do you do with that sin that you just can't seem to shake as a new believer? Um, and then lastly, we could talk about in the church that you are now plugged into, how do you um, use your spiritual gifts? How do you find them? And then how do you become a flourishing Christian. So we go over all of these things in depth and shallowness at the same time because it's a lot of ground to cover. So I'm really excited about this episode because I know it will immediately benefit a few specific people that I have in mind um, while they listen to it. And also I'm praying that you guys can now forward this and use it for anybody who needs this tool um, to get closer to Christ when they don't know how to get there. So I know I explain all this, and we talk about this in the episode, but I, I really wanted to catch your eye or catch your ear before you even get to the episode so you know what to expect. Have a blessed week, and we are praying for you and your friends that are new believers. Kind of keeping an ear to the ground of people who are 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 getting saved or are coming to know Jesus and noticing a need um, for the next steps. And sometimes it's difficult to um, kind of cram all the information that you want to give to a, a brand new believer in a two-minute, three-minute conversation that you might have. And so we wanted this to be maybe a tool, uh, and we'll see if it's an effective tool at the end of the, the episode, but a tool that someone can use where they they want to uh, 
um, know more about Jesus, they, they accept him, and then you can almost send this episode to them as this covers a lot of the ground um, that sets a foreground for a bunch of future things like discipleship, finding a church, but like a very big first step. And other than buying a Bible, the, this we're hoping this episode could be used because I recently had an interaction with someone that got saved, and I, I won't have the, the ability to talk to them often and at length. And so it would have been nice to have it and just be able to text them this. And so next time we talk, they have points of reference and see if they've kind of started some of the, the steps. So tonight, I, I, if you are listening to this and this has been given to you by someone that you love and someone maybe that has given um, you the ability or given you the gospel and you've now accepted Christ, I want to just first say congratulations. You're part of a a giant family right now, and we legitimately love you and um, want you to grow closer to Christ. And the three guys sitting around this table have been trying to do that same exact thing um, through this podcast for years now um, and through all of our lives. We serve every day. We're constantly reading and trying to understand more, and this is a lifelong journey that you just started, and praise God that you did. Um, I'm sure the person that forwarded you this episode is insanely happy for you um, and has been um, you know, skipping around because they're so thankful that someone that they love has come to know Christ. So if you have not just gotten saved and you want to listen to this anyway, the benefit you'll get from this would be going over the basics of the faith, making sure you're checking off the boxes of, okay, so what does the life of a, a Christian look like at the start? And am I am I upholding those simple principles? Or you just want to listen to it to see if it's a valuable resource for someone in the future that could use this. But either way, I'm very excited because it's, it's, it's invigorating to think that the words we're about to say might be one of the first things someone hears after they get saved. And if that happens once, I'll be incredibly happy. It's also a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you well, reminded me of it, and now I'm, now I'm scared. <laughs> okay. Well, the things that we're saying are not really debatable, so I'm not really nervous about it because there are things that I know to be true from the true. scripture and know to be true from experience. So I'm not, I mean, I understand like the weight of it, but I also am psyched. All right. So I, um, last night I went to church and we've been putting together this episode for about a week now when my wife actually had the idea, shout out to Allison, um, to do an episode like this. And, um, Last night at church, at Wednesday night church, I was walking around and asking people, and unanimously, the first thing they all said was our first point. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and that's, you know, pastors, men, women, um, had the same perspective, so I feel confident in it. All right, so, Joe, what is our first thing, the very first thing? You get, you you accept Christ as your Savior, you accept the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ to wash you clean, and you know, one day you're going to close your eyes in, on earth and open them in heaven, Um what would you do as your first step of Christianity? I would. I'm the I'm the newly saved. Yes. I would seek somebody to learn from, uh, somebody that doesn't just talk the talk but walks the walk, um, and just and always try to learn from them. Not just the not just through Bible study, which of course is where you would want to start, but also the application of that. Like, what does this look like lived out? And what does this look like just being read? And, you know. You're someone you want to mirror. Right? Correct. Someone yeah. like yeah. you look. And it doesn't have to be anyone, like, age bracket, you know. Mm -hmm. 
I, it probably should be someone in, in the same sex just because they're probably going to look, you know, to, yeah. for that same characteristic to not mentor someone really closely in that area. But uh, it could be someone that's 50 years older than you, two years older than you, five years younger than you if they've been walking with the Lord for a while. Um, and you want it to be – I mean, I guess the qualification for me for a mentor would be I'm envious of what they have. Like I look at them, and it's not just their Bible knowledge, but like I look at somebody and their life is sold out and it's just an attractive – Mm-hmm. Christ following, not attractive because they have things or like, I don't know, because they're, they're, depends on what you find attractive, I guess, but you know, attractive in their pursuit of Christ. And you're like, I want that. I just accepted this and I want the end result to be where they are now. And I think if you find someone like that, but what would you say, how would you say they would find this person? So, I mean, we'll talk in a little bit about finding a church, but most likely you were, you came to faith because you either were at a church and there was some sort of message that moved you. Or someone directly relationally shared it with you, yeah. And that person's probably the best person to start with. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. In most cases, I would imagine it's the person who's been sharing it with you. Yeah. But in some cases, that not you, you might have got saved from a radio or a YouTube video, or, or yeah, YouTube video, or there's a plethora of ways you could have been saved. So if that's not the option, then I think it's time to like start seeking in, in your local community, which if you're not in one, <laughs> would require you to find a local body. Yeah. And what we see, a biblical model for this would be in Acts, right? When mm-hmm. Paul, um, the road to Damascus, the Damascus moment, he's traveling, he's, he's blinded, and he falls, mm-hmm. and then um, God speaks to him, he converts, the scales come off his eyes, and then he goes and he travels to... Um, there's like, actually, like, so it's interesting, and I don't know if you, what you guys think about this, but in Acts and Galatians, mm-hmm. do you guys see what I, what I put for this yeah, note? Yeah, yeah, So... Um, it says in Acts 9 that after Paul was converted, he immediately went to preach in Damascus. And then in Galatians 1, it talks about how he went to a, the Arabian Desert to study for three years and be trained up. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. He immediately was so excited about his conversion that he went. And then I wonder what happened there where he was then like, I need to be trained. Probably failure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. That's, I what, that's yeah, what I would yeah. assume, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or he realized, like, I can't do this without knowing more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's and, got a terrible receipt. He was received terribly by the people, you know. Well, I think it's also got to be um, because, I, at least from what we say in Acts, Paul has this encounter with Christ, mm-hmm. and that's really all you see. So it's not. So a, a, one point we have somewhere in here is when you start being discipled, you have to unlearn all presuppositions that you have. And, like maybe you never grew up, like maybe you never grew up in church, and the only thing you know about the Christian faith is something you've seen on TV or like South Park references. Yeah, South, yeah, yeah or, or Christianese you just hear around, mm-hmm. or memes, or something like that. Like you have to unlearn all that because it's not true. Likewise, if you grew up Catholic, or if you grew up Muslim, or if you grew up Jewish, now you got to unlearn a lot of things that have t- turned you away from actually following Christ. So, Paul. Probably had, he didn't, like, there wasn't, the road to Damascus with Paul was not the road to Emmaus with the two guys, where, he, where Jesus didn't go through the whole Old Testament and show him everywhere. He, yeah. he just revealed himself to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, why are you persecuting me? You know, and, and then he just accepted him. So now he's got to learn, okay, how does this all fit? But that fire was, I would imagine, was just immediately there. Mm-hmm. That, and so he goes to Damascus to try it out. And now he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Yeah. So he and spends so- three years in the desert to figure that out. And and so you if you've heard stories probably similar to this like testimonies where someone gets saved and they just get this like fire yeah, yeah. and then they go out and make a bunch of mistakes because mm-hmm. they're like they're misquoting and they're like yeah. saying bad things the mm-hmm. bad theology to their friends, um, it is it is 
worth it and it is correct to seek out someone to help you understand the scriptures and, and really understand yeah. the foundational truths before you then try to share that light. And I'm not saying don't tell people what you've learned, that you're, you're a Christian, um, but before you really say like, all right, I'm going to go teach, I'm going to go serve, like really try to get to know God first before you start speaking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so as when you find a mentor, I mean, uh, I, we call this discipleship in our church. It's, it's the same, same concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a church, I think the best way if you, if you're got saved in a church is to ask the pastor, like, Hey, is there anybody, could, maybe they can mentor you. And if not, do they have anyone that they recommend? Cause that's like a pastor's dream to be able to like, I'll find somebody to, to disciple you. It's, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pastor, um, should be able to find you someone that is going to you know, be able to teach you, mentor you. Um, maybe it's just read the Bible with you. Maybe it's eat dinner. Like even simple things. I remember from our episode of when we talked about um, the conversion in Acts, like when they were eating together and, you know, breaking bread in Acts 2, um, a lot of people were converting and the early church was starting. The eating together had multiple purposes. And one of them was they got to see how Christians ate and how they blessed mm-hmm. the meal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get rid of the pagan rituals of the day um, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. like normally they would be, you know, blessing the food by different gods and, and they mm-hmm. make, you know, make um, attrition to different gods. And uh, when you're, when you're doing that, when you're, when you're avoiding weddings or when you're doing things, you're watching how someone lives out the faith in front of you. Right. And so I think like a really effective way is just, if you're meant if someone's a mentor to you, like go over to their house and sit with them and see how they interact with their family as a believer, see how they, yeah. You know, see how they eat with as a believer. See how they, you know, all those things. Yeah, that's the walking in the dust. Yeah, yeah. So not to be technical in, in it, but that's so. In Acts, when you in, when you remember, if you're reading through Acts, that's the first believers were called the way. Mm-hmm. That before it was before they were called Christians. It was just the way, followers of the way, and that was just because each each there's you know a bunch of rabbis and they all had disciples each rabbi would have their own what it was called like a halakha which is just the walk it's called the walk how are they how are they walking out what they teach mm-hmm. so jesus came to be known as as the way which is, comes from like the walk like mm-hmm. so that's where that's where that comes from but it's like picking your picking who you're going to follow based on how they're walking out yeah and and so it's how we should be doing it now which i think we do a fairly good job of is how it's really always been done, mm. where it's like anybody can say anything. But it's a, it reminds me of the connection that Paul also says later in his uh, epistles, saying that follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. He may not have been discipling each and every person there, but he was modeling what he learned about Christ and what, from his mentors mm-hmm. and how he should live out the scripture. And he said, do as I've done. Follow my slightly lesser dust. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, um, if you, I don't know where the chosen is going to go in terms of like being doctrinally sound in the future. If you're listening to this like years from now, but like right now, season three, I've only seen up to episode three. But just looking at through, if if you haven't watched the show yet, it's worth look like watching because you get to see how they are like hanging on Jesus's every word, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to see because he's flipping the system upside down and he's fulfilling the law and a lot of the things they knew. He's now coming to help them reunderstand. Mm-hmm. So all of his words are like hanging on it, and he's their rabbi, he's their discipler, he's their mentor, and it's cool to see them try to figure it out. So it should be easier for you to understand how your mentor lives than it was for them to understand anything Jesus was saying, because he was revolutionary. Right. You know? Which in an ideal world, so we should be too, but that's we're not him. Yeah. So um, in terms of the mentor, I think that some of this stuff comes with time. 
but mm-hmm. you, you want to have accountability and transparency. So, again, so a lot of these kind of topics, where the points we're going to make tonight blend together, but you really do, when you have your mentor, want to be honest with them about your struggles with your questions. Um, and any real productive relationship I've ever had came with transparency or transparency mm-hmm. came first. So if you have a question of like, why would God allow this? Like some kind of hindrance in your, um, it, like if reading, if you first become a believer right now and you can try to read John one, you should be very confused. The word became flesh. Like what, what, I don't know. I, yeah, I would be that, confused. Yeah. Like you're talking about <laughs> yeah. the first, like 15 verses mm-hmm. um, is a poem. Like, and how do you mm-hmm. know that's separate from the rest? Um, and so being transparent about, I don't understand this at all. Can you explain this to me? And then if they're a good mentor and they don't know, they'll go find out mm-hmm. and they'll listen to a counter. Yeah. Yeah, and so the transparency and accountability are important. And then my only other, the only thing for mentorship, because um, there's so many things you could say about discipleship in general, but um, if you don't have this option, I don't think, I think that's very, very rare that you can't find a church within 20, 30 miles that has one person that follows Christ. I guess, so I guess, we, okay, so I noticed that we, we kind of say some things, um, but then I'm, th- I'm thinking about, like, how would this person know? So we say things like, um, find, we say, oh, find the Bible-believing church. Well, how would a new believer know if a church is – they would just assume every church is Bible-believing. Do you know what I mean? You have to know the Bible to know that a church is not the, a Bible-believing. True. Or – I would I would say, like, by that statement, I mean that the church at least asserts that it's Bible-believing. Okay. Okay. You know, like, by the right. self-assertion. Because you have to start – I guess you have to start there. Like, you look up the church. Yeah. You know, you Google, like, their their mission statement. Yeah. Or if you – I guess if you just go and they're not using the Bible. Yeah. It's more like liturgical which, and just like a... Which will be surprisingly many of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the two biggest churches, like a lot of like Elevation and Bethel stuff, they're not using the Bible and they're like the yeah. biggest churches around. You know? um, same thing we have here. It's like if you if you can't find somebody to mentor you, if you can't find a disciple, like find good online resources, reliable online resources. Well, it's like, okay, well, how would they, how would the first person know what's reliable and what's not? Yeah, I mean... Every, when you're new, everything sounds good. Yeah. Like... And the only other thing that I was thinking of, too, is thinking about mentors, because I've had mentors in the past that I kind of, like, elevated because they knew so much more than I did, and I mm-hmm. did want to elevate them um, and reflect what, what they had in their, their relationship is that I – you eventually have to realize that you may disagree with them one day with what they believe, uh, too. Like, yeah. they're, they're not perfect, and mm-hmm. they are going to let you down, and mm-hmm. uh, their theology is not perfect. They don't understand it all either. Mm-hmm. So don't try to become them. Just try to take the Christ-like characteristics – of them and apply them to your life. Yeah. Right? I was, I was going to ask uh, it, if we were going to like share experiences with mentors because I, I could share mine like, in the fact of as I was studying more and more, I realized it said it in there to find somebody mm-hmm. to talk to and like to uh, to disciple and grow. And I was always, I always thought that person would just seek me out. I didn't need to look for them. So I was sitting here waiting around. I was like, oh, somebody will eventually like see that, you know, I'm studying mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. serving and like want to <laughs> want to learn. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, you want to want to be mentored? Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. It's like you have to reach out and find that person. So after finding and being discipled, being transparent for many years, um, not that we, we grew, there was some distance there, but eventually got some, oh, what's that, the, the word for that? Like Traction. my sea legs under me. Like okay. I, I, Got some more understanding and uh, moved different churches. Found some other people to to be mentored by. Shout out to Joe and Adam. And Joe and Adam, yep. Yeah. Um, but then I continued that relationship with that original mentor mm. and kept uh, the, the phrase you said, like picking those good Christian qualities that I aspired from them. 
And we do disagree on a lot of things now, but it's still like keeping that relationship and seeing that the things that he had done and, and the things that he had, um, uh, the, the Christ-like qualities that I uh, aspired at the beginning when I was studying were, are still the same. And to, to see those like fulfilled and to get them constantly checked in myself when I see them, it's great. So Jerry, if you're listening and we know that you are, yep. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So with the mentor, I mean, it is, it is a tough balance. So like, be like, I, I want to be, I want to learn what you learn. I want to know what you know, mm-hmm. but I also can't put you in a pedestal that makes it so that if you fall, yes. it destroys me. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that takes time. And I think if you know, you forget that way, you'd have to know this person for years. For I also think that the things that we're kind of now talking about, that's the job of the mentor, a mature mentor mm-hmm. to let them know that. Like first of like, all, we're gonna fail. Some people that you're seeing in the in the church or wherever, some online, they have been walking this walk for 30 years. Like so, this is a painful growth that you're gonna that's just gonna happen the rest of your life. You're gonna constantly be growing. Second, like you said, you got to let them know that like there may come a time where you, I might become the student and you're the teacher and you're gonna mm-hmm. surpass all my. You know, so it's like yeah. So. Be letting like let them know that you're giving them the milk, and you're you're teaching them how to fish so that they can go fish. Yeah, you're not going to be fishing for them the rest of their life. Like mm-hmm. you're giving them the basics, and then they it just like a snowball effect happens. Yeah, you start the more you learn, the more you learn how to learn, and then the more you learn, and it just keeps growing. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's right. I think a good mentor would establish that. Yeah. So after, and I think all these, a lot of these are happening simultaneously. So it's hard to say after or before. Yeah, it's not like, like a, yeah. But if you don't have a Bible, get one. Not one on your phone. Get mm-hmm. one, a paper one in your hands. Um, you can have both, but you should have a paper Bible in your hands. And if you want to be on the same page as your mentor all the time or your pastor, find find out what translation they use just so you can kind of follow along easier, mm-hmm. you know. But and I, I'm not one of those dogmatic people about translations. There's a couple that I think are way worse than others. Yeah, generally. But the big like, guys like yeah. that, New King James, King yeah. James, I, I, people not a big fan of NIV. I like NIV. I'm not, so, uh, NASB. NASB, New American Standard. So any of those um, are good ones to start with. I mean, sometimes you can get like a, you know, a good sale, but on Amazon, they're like 25 bucks for like a nice one that you can take notes in on the side. And I, I, I advocate for... Uh, most of us have these Bibles that now that have columns on the side mm-hmm. um, where you can write. And if you're working through your mentor and you're like, you want to have questions answered, just jot down your questions on the right hand side, left hand side, next to the scriptures you don't understand. Which, if you're going through certain books, there's going to have lots of questions. You right. Know, mm-hmm. Certain books. And I would start by doing that. And then that'd be like one, you know, good first step uh, to understand the Bible and asking questions and probing. And I think at that point, like, you're probably already ahead of some people who have been calling themselves Christians for 10 years. Yeah, that's true, too. If you're already reading and actively trying to find things out, like, you may be further along in your sanctification than you than you realize, because a lot of Christians are asleep, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, questions is, like, the biggest thing. Like, it's it's half of what the disciples did. They constantly questioned what Jesus did, why he mm-hmm. did what he did. 
um, and the things that they had known, like we talked about this, like that they knew the Old Testament by heart mm-hmm. and they questioned like, what does this mean? Are you coming to fulfill this? Like all those questions. And that's like the biggest thing that propels you as you study. Like, yeah. what, and, why am I reading what I'm reading and what does yeah. it have to say? And uh, while we're all in this, from the mentor side of, of things, some of the best way to one, learn your student and two, to also teach is to do it through questions. Mm-hmm. And you see Jesus, that is a su- yeah. that is such a Jewish thing to do, like to answer a question with a question mm-hmm. and get so them. Yeah, yeah. And then get them to like really find out their own reasoning behind things and like get them to do the thinking. That's not, I mean, it's not even just Jewish. Socrates did that. That's mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's just a great way of teaching to like get them to come to the conclusion and like rephrase what you think it is that they're really thinking and get to the heart of the, the matter. Because um, questions sometimes have presuppositions built in. And, correct. And the question back yeah. is getting at the heart of the presuppositions, yes. right? Yeah. And and one thing uh, Jordan Peterson says about his daughter, Michaela, when she first started working for his business and, and she kind of took over, he was like, she's a very bad businesswoman. She didn't know anything, but she's like, she asked a lot of dumb questions and she asked him until she was out of dumb questions and she got good questions. Right. And she ran out and she got great questions and now she's the smartest person I know in business. Yeah. Like that's how it works. It's, you ask all the dumb questions you could possibly ask, and then you mm-hmm. no longer have them. So the next questions are good questions. Yeah, what's the phrase? There's no such thing as a dumb question. I really don't think that there is because then you know that the answer to that question, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, eventually. You know yeah. The, question. <laughs> the, yeah the, the only time I agree with that is if the question's already been asked. Then there's not that's, in the same. Not yeah, that's yeah, just a yeah. dumb. Yeah, you okay. Just if you're asking the same question, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. what I say. It's good in the class. Gotcha. It's not a dumb question unless you already asked it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. All right, so let's head on some tips. So you, you open your Bible. Mm-hmm. Let's say you open the John. That's a good, I think that's a decent book to start mm-hmm. with, right? Um, just a shout out. Some three guys are going through John on the podcast. Yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. John's a good book. Uh, I mean, I think some of the epistles are good. Some of Paul's letters, mm-hmm. um, you know, First, Second Timothy, I think are good ones. I mean, I kind of would. I, I mean, if I was just the. I mean, are you talking about if you're the if you're the person who's newly saved yeah. and you're just at home? Yeah. Then it's like okay, you can. But if you're the Mentor, I would ask them, like, what is it that you want to know most? Uh, uh, like, each book of the Bible is accomplishing a purpose. Yeah. And all the, the with an over, audience. Right. The overarching purpose is to glorify God. So it's like all of them glorify God. So it's like, what is it that you want to know about God and learn about God? Or honestly, I don't, I would see where they're at, but they're like, do they even know what the Bible is? Like, do they think it's just one book written by a guy? Do they think it's, uh, compilation of what are they you know what I mean like what is their understanding of what the Bible is yeah do they know how many authors wrote it do they know how many over, over thousands how of years yeah, yeah you know how many continents it was written on like how all these languages yeah all that helps them put the into the thing that they're holding in their hand into like understanding it's like oh okay this is mm-hmm. like you know um these were originally written on scrolls yeah the chapters they didn't even are look man-made. like this yeah right you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think all yeah you're right so all those like kind of baseline not even just an overview of what it is. What is the, what is the Bible? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we just kind of did that for them. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So I think getting an overview of that, um, and then going from there, like you said, I, different. Every book has almost an audience, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and you're say you're you're Jewish and you become a Christian. Hebrews is a great first book mm-hmm. to start That's, with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's As what, opposed yeah. to an atheist, that might not be the best one, best right, one to start right. with. You know. Um, who gets saved? Um, Acts is a, is a is a fun book to read to see how the church started, but I mm-hmm. don't know if I would start with that one specifically. That might be like in the top five, but I might I, it, I might start with Acts if I was maybe eh, I was going to say Catholic, but no, I think I would go Hebrews to the Catholic. Yeah, I think it's cool just to see the start of the church yeah. and, and how let do them we know, get like, to this where is we're what at. you're a part mm-hmm. of. Yeah, yeah, and this is the foundation of it. 
and this is what it's changed into and how different it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, how to interpret the Bible. I mean, that all that stuff is done through, it's got to be through your pastor mm-hmm. or mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Or a small yeah. group, whatever you're going to get plugged into. Um, how to interpret it. Um, where do you start? I mean, I so far, having listened to the Bible Project for a few years, I think they're a great resource to use. Yeah. Um, I'm doing the Bible in a year project. I've listened to like a lot of their written, definitely not all, but you know, a couple, five, 50 hours worth of their mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought I kind of got most of what they, the most of their ideas. And um, doing the Bible year, and I know like nothing they know. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, running. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And just like as a, a helpful addition, it's like all auditorial and visual, which as someone who doesn't read a ton or as much as you guys, it's so helpful. It's just like because mm-hmm. popping on in the car or yeah, going yeah. around just doing something, you just listen or just sit down for like what the, some of the clips are like just two minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. two you just five watch minutes, six minutes, two minutes, yeah. and it's just. It like captures your attention for a little bit. Yeah, and it gives you like food for thought, and mm-hmm. they read the verses inside of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of a lot of what they they do is dismantling preconceived notions. Like, and they they don't tell you that they're doing that, but they'll be like, "What does it really mean to be blessed by God? Yeah. Like, what does that actually mean?" Like implying like, "I know what you've heard. It's been you know, it's like yeah. that means you get a Ferrari. That's what the society tells you it is. But what does it mean biblically? And like, then they yeah. do a two minute video on it, and mm-hmm. like from front to back, real quick, and so it really dismantles the. Sets you back down to ground zero yeah. now, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, just if I were reading Genesis and I get to Exodus, and, and like right now, I just finished the Exodus book, and like one of the the clips in there would have been so helpful five years ago, you know, where, mm. where he's talking about um, the royal priesthood and how Adam right. was the original royal priest, yep. and Jesus, you know, Hebrews reflects back on Jesus being the high mm-hmm. priest, and how the the temple and the tabernacle reflect Eden and Adam being the priest, and then you have Moses the priest, and, and and it goes all the way through. Like that would be very helpful for someone reading. It's like okay, I I've only read two books. I haven't read the other, you know, mm-hmm. sixty four. So I don't, I can't make those connections to Hebrews yet because I haven't read right. it. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, listen, just so you know, in Genesis it said this, Exodus said this, and these next five is going to, and Hebrews is going to. Yeah. If you haven't read the whole Bible, which mm-hmm. you haven't, right, right, it really does help you see the whole scope before you get there. So I think, I mean. What would you recommend? And this is a tough one, though, because I know some of us have different opinions on commentaries we lean on. But like, would when you say if you were to recommend a commentary for someone to, to read, um, a commentary if you're listening and you don't have a Bible with one, so a lot of Bibles they sell like it'll say on the side like David Gusick, um, MacArthur, like I don't know, a Man Study Bible. You know, sometimes they'll have like you know, and they'll have from different pastors. Uh, there's like a, the bottom third of the page has writing from someone else explaining what's in the top two thirds of scripture. Mm-hmm. So if that's very helpful. Um, but I would say if you do, I can recommend some and I think we can recommend some, but I wouldn't only have one to yeah. look at. Yeah. And, and some mm-hmm. of the, the apps like blue letter Bible are cool because if you, it's just a free app and if you download, you click on a verse, you can hit commentaries and it'll give you a list of like it's, five to yeah, choose multiple. from five or six. And then you can read a couple of different ones and, and you'll be like, okay, I, I've heard these few different people teach on it and, so uh, personally, I would recommend that your actual Bible not be a commentary Bible. That's just a personal opinion, so that way you're not tempted to look at the commentary first to read it, to read mm-hmm. through it, to get your questions together, to yeah. read it again a couple times before you go to commentary to get the context, the historical, and the cor- the <laughs> cultural, the the cur- uh, now I definitely can't say it. The- Joe's allergic to bullcrap. So he is. He is. The cultural, the cultural context. Thanks. You got it out, and now yeah. I got it out. Yeah, the I think cultural your contact context. lens is like on me. 
Um, and as Adam said, I would multiple like uh, Blue Letter Bible has multiple. I also use uh, Bible Hub, which has multiple commentaries in it. Yeah. Uh, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Enduring Word has a couple in there as well. And just have like compile multiple people's commentary on that piece of scripture. And, and what we're saying right now may sound overwhelming. If you're like, I just got saved. Here's five commentaries you got to read. It's not <laughs> what we're saying. If you if you're unclear about something, yes. Um, first, your pastor and, and mentor should be leading you through some of these small conversations. Mm-hmm. But if you're ever confused and like. If you read enough passages that are confusing and you can't immediately get the meaning out of, you're going to get discouraged. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll just stop reading because it's like, what am I getting from this? So if you ever feel like that, then start digging because mm-hmm. it is worth digging. Or especially, I mean, if, if you're in the Gospels and you're trying to apply a lot of things that you're reading, you're like, how am I sp- – what? <laughs> like, what do, how does this make – do, what do I do now in, in my life based off of this? It's like because a lot of it won't make cultural sense to you. So yeah. it's like – you got to figure out what it is. Yeah, because you're going to be looking for direct application for everything. You're right. just like, well, how do I follow Christ now? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of it's like, how do I? Like he just sent of- these. He just sent these pigs into the ocean. You know, it's like, yeah. what, how, yeah. what do I now? What does yeah. that mean for me? Yeah, you're just chucking pigs off. Cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're, I'm not a teacher anymore. I'm a swine herd. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because I read the Bible. Um. Yeah, also I think a good thing for the mentor to teach uh, would be like any book that you're opening, any book of the Bible has one complete goal, one one unique – obviously the overarching goal is to, to glorify God, but they're doing it in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And always remind yourself when you're reading that book like this is this author's unique way or the, the unique thing they're doing, whether it's painting Jesus as the servant or painting Jesus as the new David or painting Jesus as – you know whatever it could be, mm-hmm. um, or talking about this whole book is about the prophecy of destruction of Jerusalem, like Jeremiah or Ezekiel. It's like, keep that in your frame reference every time you're like, why would he be saying this? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because he's trying to show you that, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So every book's got, like, one thing that they're aiming at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I think we did mention earlier, or, like, the type of literature that it is, because Psalms and, and Proverbs are and Lamentations are very different yeah. from other scripture in the Bible. Mm. It's a lot harder to apply those ones, and those are more about the uh, characteristics of God or um, going through life, basically, and the emo- like we talked about before on the podcast, like the emotion, things that we feel and how we can express those back to God. find a mentor. The second one was learn how to read the Bible, and that's very closely tied into your mentor. And then the third part, which I think is tied into both of those, is um, find a body of believers. So find find a church, and I'm talking about Little C Church. Like find a, find a, a local church that you can plug into, um, and um, if they preach the Bible and they check off certain things, um, and we can talk about what those things are, but if they are, you know, when I, if I were to go to a church and I want to make sure, like, hey, I could at least go here for six months, I'd be looking for, does the, does the pastor preach the word of God? Do they have a children's ministry of some kind? Um, not just because I have kids, but just be, the church should be ministering to kids, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a whole. Yeah. Um, do they worship God as part of their ceremony, and is that worship biblical? Um, 
then outside of that, you should be fine. Would you say? Are, <coughs> so I no, was going to say one more thing. And are they um, sharing the gospel outside? The yes, four or walls? missional. Yeah, missional. you're right. Yeah, you're right. Would you say it has to be a new for a new believer? Would you say it has to be like a church in the in the word in the term of the word church? Home, mm. like could it be a home study, Bible study? How like how are we using the term church? And it's I was thinking it's definitely a Sunday church where okay. the pastor's preaching, um, and also I mean. The note we have here is the, some sort of home fellowship as well. Um, oh, I, w- I had kind of just them listed as like one of these, one of the one or the or the other. Yeah, I mean, especially as a new believer, especially as a new believer, like if you want to get your if you want to understand things and, and maybe a smaller setting's better for you. Or okay. In the yeah, I do think Sundays though are like our goal. Us, like I, I meant, like some churches are home are home studies. On Sundays, okay. Like, do you see that? That's kind of what I'm, yeah. All like that's there should be a liturgy. There should be right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, be a, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like a home church is so really it's what a I'm small saying. home church. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, okay. But there should be a church that you're plugged into where there is a pastor and they, you know, there's elders. They follow like the the New Testament um, outline for what a church should look like. So that might be hard in some areas. It might be easy in some areas. Um, you may be just like handpicking some. Um, you know, you may have 20 options if you're in the Bible Belt within like 10 miles of you, you know. Um, or if you're, you know, somewhere like South Jersey, you, you might have to drive 30 minutes, depending on where you are, to find a good, solid Bible-believing church. Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. Um, so, Edgar Road, um, Hamilton, by the Hamilton Lake, next to the big one, next to the church <laughs> of the steeple. Um, so... Yeah, so find a body of believers. Get plugged in. Um, you should have some sort of like a short checklist at least for what that church should offer, but you do need to be um, surrounded. So I know um, like most churches should have adult-type ministries and children's-type ministries. And if you are in youth group, go to youth group because I think a lot of times we're assuming they're like adults at this point. But in this conversation, we could be talking to an 11-year-old. You know, they just got yeah. saved. Um, and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Now, if your parents don't go to a church, like what do you do? You know, um, I would start by asking mom and dad, hey, can I go to church? A lot of parents, at least the first time, might be a little weirded out by it. You know, if they, if you say you were taken to a youth group by another family hmm. and you get saved at that youth group like in that, in that week and you come home and you're like, man, I can't wait to listen to Encounter. And then you listen to it and you're like, okay, I need to go to church. They told me I need to go to church. I need a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do then? What do you guys think? If you're young and you if need a mentor? If you're young and you need a mentor and you need a church and you just uh, can't drive. Nowadays, unfortunately, if if I was young, I would I would encourage like online. Unless you unless there's extended family or, or family's friends that you absolutely trust that are believers. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I would say there's so many online resources in the beginning. You know, until you. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think the, your discipleship might just be at youth group from now on. I, that's kind of what you were saying. Like, if you're getting saved around a youth group, the, the youth leader should be more than capable to, to reach out, to ask questions, and to help you yeah. get started. Or to connect you with somebody who can mentor you. And if you reach out to that youth leader and be like, hey, I don't have a ride, there's a terrible youth leader if he doesn't provide yeah. you a ride. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if that family that brought you should be able to take you. Um, if that youth leader won't find a way for you to get to church and you really desire to, after getting saved, you should find a different youth leader anyway, you mm-hmm. know? Um, like, I've, like uh, I'm just being honest. Like, I, yeah. even, um, like, a friend of uh, Brady, when he was on the podcast, like, when um, he couldn't always get a ride to and from the church. Right. Like, he would just text my dad. My dad would go drive him over. I mean, he wasn't a youth leader, but it was just, um, he knew that my dad valued his spiritual walk enough mm-hmm. 
to just be like he's got to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so finding someone like that, and then hopefully once your parents see that like earnestness inside of you, that I, I you really see they see a change, you know, then you might they might want to drive you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, you might you might be discipling them soon. Yeah, soon yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so finding a Bible believers might be easier when you're older, but there's some steps you got to take and be, have to be patient when you're younger and you don't have the agency to just leave your house or drive right away. You know, communicate, ask for permission and talk. Yeah. And I would definitely, I, I know being a dead horse now, but I would definitely get around believers my age Yeah, because being the new you now, the post Jesus you now in the high school, if you go to a high school, it's going to seem it's gonna it's gonna have a lot of unique challenges that yeah. you're not just gonna be able to online. You know, you need people to like, how are you guys doing it? How are you? How are yeah. you like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you get to see them their dust. Yeah. You got to figure right, out how right, they're walking right. through high school. I think that was one of the big things for, that was valuable for me when I was in high school because I got like really dedicated in my life, like eighth grade, going into uh, high school, and there was like three or four kids in the youth group that also went to high school. And whether it was just like I knew they'd snitch on me or like whatever, mm-hmm. like I had that lens of, you know, I I wanted either set an example or, I don't know. I'm sure the motives weren't always great, but I wanted to be yeah. I wanted to be better. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, I follow yeah. Christ around general, and like yeah. almost like in general, as a kid, as I was you know trying to figure it out, it was like I knew if I had a class with them and I acted a certain way or made curse, curse or had comments, you know, it would be they'd look down on me or whatever. So, uh, being having the accountability of of young fellowship is is great. find a mentor. Now, one of the, if you're at that point, um, there's a couple practical things and there's so many rabbit trails that go down here and you guys like fill in the blanks for me for all the different types of situations. But I think the scariest thing about becoming a believer, being on that high, right? That spiritual high, like if you're at a conference and you just like, you, you, you walk down the worship music, beautiful. And like, who wouldn't except Christ, mm-hmm. like, you know, when elevation is playing and you go to an altar call and you go down and you, you get on your knees and you just accept Christ as your savior. It's a beautiful moment. And then you go home and then your parents and your friends aren't reflecting it. And they're not kind of encouraging you right away. And the high kind of fades away. Um, and you're like, okay, what does this look like on it on in a daily basis? And how do I communicate this change in me to my family? So they get that spiritual high right away too. And we can all move forward together. Um, it's a lot of times when your family and friends don't reciprocate that feeling, it really, it can beat you down like really quickly. And, and the, and the retention rate for those altar calls is very low. Well, that's your, that's your official first, that's your Damascus. Like yeah. that's Paul yeah. got saved and good. That's your, that's your first official mission field. Walk, strap in. Here we go. Like this, yeah. like that's what it's, that's really what it is. You don't know a lot yet at that point, you know? Um, so the option or the opportunity to get discouraged is a lot higher, quicker. Yeah. Cause, I mean, because you live with them, so you can't, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, you know, make comments if you if you make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is a long journey, yeah. you know, because you can't expect, you know, the Holy Spirit's been calling you for some time now, you know. Um, he may not have been calling them for some time, and mm-hmm. you have to be patient for the, for God to do his work in them. It, it can't just be on you right away. See, this is unique. This is kind of unique for me to answer because if you remember going back 70-something episodes ago, 
how I came to Christ was like through apologetics. So I was learning, 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 learning. And I was like, I can't deny this anymore, you know? So when I finally came to Christ, I was at least equipped enough to defend my position like to family and stuff who doesn't know what they're talking, you know, like, whereas, so I, it's hard to, it's hard to think of like, if you just accepted him based off of a sermon you heard or based off yeah. of a conference, now go home, go home and tell your family and say, you, you really don't have a lot of answers about a lot of things. You just know that Christ is real and he's your savior and, and you know. Mm. So you have to learn. So you, yeah, you, you got to learn. You almost got to learn. You quick, right away which, were which like, be, yeah, you were equipped helped. before. It you helped. To, yeah, it kind of yeah. helped because I came in the other door. So it's like, but this would be good to have a disciple to constantly. All right, now your parents or your your brother or sister ask you a question you don't really know. I could go bring it to them. Like, how would you how would you answer this? Like, yeah. And I think the important part about that is is. is so uh, well, if you guys go back to the episode where we talked about alcohol and drinking and stuff when, when, when Jen was on, he guys made fun of me for my scenario of like you lose friends if you don't drink anymore. <laughs> I didn't Remember? make fun of you. I was like, that's just never no, happened no, to no, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a, a, a not unique scenario, but like a, I mean, a not common scenario, I guess. Yeah. But I think that the, it's more common than not. So if you, if you weren't a believer, there's a chance that you had some like habits that you now need to not have anymore, or at least called not to have, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, the Bible is very clear, multiple points in it, don't be drunk. So if that was mm-hmm. a, a common habit of yours, it's time to really start changing that habit, right? You mm-hmm. want to be more like Christ. You want to be an effective witness to your family. And if you want to be, show them a real change, you want to just immediately start shedding those old habits and let the old man die. Mm-hmm. If your friends have only had those bad habits in common with you, they may stop being friends with you. Yes. And having um, been friends with uh, people who got saved, who were a part of that, it is a painful process. That's a good. That's good. That's a good way to put that. That just cleared up our whole entire argument, however many episodes ago. Because yeah. that's what it is. It's like if you only have that in common with them, yeah, then that's probably going to be what causes it to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because why would you hang out with somebody that doesn't have anything in common with you? Yeah. So if otherwise, if there's anything else like a sport, or so, it's like yeah, oh, we, we can still speak be, some, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't drink while you play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if that is the case, and that could be the case for if you're, you know, I, and I'm not just calling out like random sins, but like, you know, doing drugs or alcohol or like gossiping nonstop. You know, yeah. it could be like any of those things where it's just like a, a, a habitual habit where you get together with your friends, and maybe every time you get to your friends, you just like complain about everything. You mm-hmm. know, or like you just like you know. I don't know what it is. Whatever your main problem, main thing is that you're convicted about right away and you stop doing it, um, that is okay that you lose those friends. If they are choosing to – my one distinction here is that you don't have to make the choice to not be friends with them ever. They will. And if they do, over time, those friendships usually how I've seen do rekindle. If you handle that in a gentle way – where um, I've seen someone who was a, a really big partier and drinker, as soon as she broke, uh, as soon as she got saved, all her friends, literally within a week, were like, "Oh, you're not going to drink," and they just stopped hanging out with her cold. Mm. And now years later, are now reaching out, and like she was just like very hurt by it and started crying, but mm. she never would just like, "How dare you!" Like we've been friends for so long, which is like, listen, if that's if that's how it is, if you don't want to text me to hang out anymore, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. If you're patient and loving and understanding through that. Eventually, I believe God opens doors for you to have good conversations about that change. Because eventually, that habit's going to get old to them too, right. and you're going to look for something different. And you're going to be in a much better place, much more sanctified, much more loving. And then when they come ready with those questions about, "Hey, what happened in you that you decided to stop getting trashed every Friday night?" and you at that point, if you're two years down the road, should have an answer. 
mm-hmm. for the reason I hope to attend. Yeah. So I just want to say, if you if you have friends and family that really start to like kind of distance themselves from you because of the change, just let it happen and be loving and gracious and forgiving during that. And no, it's not because of you because they hated Christ first. So I, this is just made me think of something. What do you think about this? And I know I always we all all of us we always preach the opposite of doing this, but just for the sake of getting the point across, if you were discipling somebody who just came to the Lord, um, how would you feel about like pulling like cherry picking verses, but pulling all of the ones that talk about how difficult it's going to be? Like like literally, what you, there's literally verses about what you, just about what you just described. Yeah, that you have to love Christ before you love your father and your mother, you know, and all these things, and mm-hmm. and uh, there there will be pain, there will be trouble, um, the, all these things. Like you, you probably will get persecuted. You will, uh, just like here's just a list of some of Jesus's promises. So now you won't be shook when you see them again. This is yeah. kind of like a this is kind of like a dismantling a pre, like a preconceived notion. Like I think everybody has a little bit when they first come to the Lord or or perception of Christianity, they, they have a little bit of prosperity gospel in their mind. Where it's like, you know... What, it feels so great to be finally freed of sin. Right, exactly. So like, but then, And then when feeling. things start happening, like, the, the reflections of sin in the world start happening to so you, you're like, wait, why is this... Why? What's going on here? Like, um, I thought he's got my back. I thought he... You know, so to already hit them with that right up front and be like, just to let you know. <laughs> so you're not surprised when it... What do you think about that? Or yeah. is that like you want to... I think an amazing gospel message would have that kind of built into the end of it if you're listening to a sermon or something like yeah. those heavy hitters. Once in a while, Camp Alawasa, when I worked there, because every week was a different pastor, so I'd hear, you know, six a summer. There would be one that would. And, like, you know, they'd have that slam night. All, all the kids would be crying and, you know, yeah. saying, proclaiming Christ, and he would be like, okay, now here's what to expect. Yeah. And I don't well, know. I, I mean, think like, that- you're, the, you're the disciple, and it's your, it's your, it's your student there, and, and you, uh, day one, gotcha. a Bible study. Yeah. I would, you know, I would do the Bible study, and just at the end of it, be like, just to let you know, like, here's what's probably going to happen. I'm not sure I would do it day one, but I definitely think it would happen the first few times. Okay. Because day one, I would say, like, they just, they know God is Savior, but let's go over, like, the character of God first before you know you're going to suffer for him. Yeah. Like, let's go, God is all-knowing, he's all-loving, okay. he's like, you know, from the outset of, mm. but yeah. I do think at the, once you know who God is and what he's, fully understand the gospel, because you can accept Jesus as a Messiah, Without really understanding the mm-hmm. lengths he went to to be that Messiah, yeah, you know, and coming to fall in love with him mm-hmm. um, and Christ, and then once you love him, then he's worth the suffering, right? You know, yeah. And on top of that, I wouldn't focus. It is important to focus on the fact that you will suffer for Christ, but also not that you're doing it for the glory, but the glory that you are bestowed by the Father. We actually just went over this in uh, John. I think it was John twelve that we went over it in the fact of. Jesus was going through the suffering and everything. He said, all this I do to glorify the Father. And he's like, and you will go through similar sufferings. Right. And it's all to glorify the Father. So like Adam's saying, like, eventually the purpose is to know God and, and want to glorify him. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So in but tandem, I, I don't think I actually finished my point. As, as you're giving me the stare, I realized like in tandem – with, he just uh, constipated. That's not. That's is not he, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, in tandem with, uh, the, it's gonna you're gonna suffer. There is a promise of hope and like reward afterwards. Like after, like for what you're doing. Right. Does that make sense? Like. Yeah. Well, a lot of those are built into the verses that I was that were okay. That, but but I'm just saying, like a lot of times that some of the some of the people listening to Jesus' sermons, they they didn't when he got harder and harder. Think like 
pick up your cross and follow me. Like they didn't really get everything yet at that point, but he was mm-hmm. just saying like, well, this is what it really means. Yeah. Like in the and first but of all, I get, I, I, get, I get what you guys are saying. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's a little bit. And the reason why is I think the people that were hearing say, mm. say you met Christ and you you knew there was they a, had a, a concept risk. of a Messiah. Well, you, anyway, uh, I, I mean, the people that were accepting Christ knew that there was someone proclaiming the Messiah and heard the Pharisees arguing with him in the, in the background. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So they right away, if they were walking with him, they, they had to assume there was a risk, especially when you're in a, in a society where the, the religion wasn't the lay of the land, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, people, it's a, again, John said that they didn't pr- confess Jesus because of the Pharisees. There was many that believed oh, yeah, but yeah, didn't yeah. confess yeah. and didn't follow. Just we're, we're in a unique time where you have to tell people there's a risk. And that there's yeah. something. That, <laughs> yeah, that's you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It was, well, it was that's kind of what I'm saying. Built where it's like, into it. Right. It, yeah. just, it was part of the decision making process, not yeah. after, you know? Um, and even with that, though, he warned them. Yeah. Because I don't think they realized that they were probably going to have to die. You know, they, they, yeah, they, knew, yeah. they knew it would be like awkward. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, like, I, I, and I think I've, I realized why like, I take so long to watch The Chosen is like, I'm never like emotionally ready. Mm. And it's, it's I'm not trying to cop out. No, I know. But like, I just finished like this, this episode three, and uh, you know, it was like three fifteen in the afternoon. I'm in the middle, like uh, finishing episode two again, so rewatch it for three, and I'm like crying. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't want to do that today. <laughs> yeah, oh, it yeah, wasn't on my agenda. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and it was like, a, it's just stupid parts though. But it's just like you know, hearing when Jesus sent him out two by two, and it's like mm-hmm. everything we're talking about. What like the moment in the room that broke me was when he's saying you're going to go two by two, and then he eventually says like you two are going to. I think it's. Um, I forget which two, but he's like, you go are going here, and that's close to Samaria. And everybody's like, wait, we could die? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, he gets real quiet and puts yeah. his head down, and he like looks up and says, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but not yet. Yeah. Like, you're, it's not your time yet, but you're, yeah. you're eventually, all of you are going to die for my name. Yeah. And just hearing that gave me goosebumps, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, to be sitting in that room, and then to see like the, the guys, like um, the, the Peter Sakari, like he gets... Uh, what's his name? Simon. Simon. Sorry. Yeah. Peter. But like he sits up. He's like, all right. Like he's yeah. like excited I do, I for it. I love the comic like relief he's... in like the heaviest moments. And I think it's Nathaniel. He's like, mm-hmm. I call Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which well, I would 100% have done the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when um, I think it's James um, leans over when he's asking him like, which sermon was that in? Uh, I only listened to one sermon so far. He leans over and he's yeah. like, that was, oh, that yeah, was the yeah. best one. Yeah. Um, but that moment, though, of all the disciples, whether it happened that way or not, had to have that moment of, you know, they followed him when it felt you get that conversion, that freedom, that beautiful moment of, of the, accepting the Messiah as Savior and, and being released from chains and then realizing, you know, he's asking for your actual life, mm-hmm. too. And, mm-hmm. and it probably happened, in my opinion, at different times for each of them when probably, they're realizing, yeah. like, inside, I don't know if Jesus ever sat down and said, you will all die for me, mm-hmm. you know, but as they're serving realizing like oh he asked me to go to that place there's actual risk yeah. over there and i'm sure after like the first martyr it was, it was probably like really set in it's like oh yeah. but this is mm-hmm. it yeah and they did it well mm-hmm. it kind of went hand in hand as they got more bold the persecution yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like it kind of just kept going yeah and i i hope that's not the choice that we immediately have to make because i let you know i do enjoy the religious freedoms we have but it might be yeah, I, I wasn't really mean to that extent. I was no, being like, I know. Get, get I just don't want to scare like the 11, yeah. 11 year old who just listened and were like, "You'll be burned." No. Um, You'll be burned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but you know the reference of your 
stake your risk is your family being a little more distance from you for some time, maybe. They don't understand you. They're watching you. They might yeah. critique you. Mm -hmm. You might lose some friends. You might gain new ones. But I remember when my wife first got saved, you know, when we were dating, when she lost certain friends, um, the prayer that we prayed was that we God, like, bring new ones in because she was out of she was not in control of who left her life mm -hmm. and god legitimately within a few months brought her lifelong friends um and um those people were her mentors in and out and you know brought her to the godly woman she is today so i i do that just per, from personal experience the best way to handle it um is to just be loving and accept it and and know that they hated christ first and just try to maintain your testimony of peace and love while they're distancing themselves. And then God will one day use that work to lead them, which is cool. So telling your family and friends, I mean, I, I, I've had a, I never really had to tell my family or like convince them of any truths because my family was one trying to convince me. Um, maybe like a distant family, but my parents were always the one doing that anyway. It was for me. I only really had experiences like friends, and um, like I was known as like the church kid on like my baseball team growing up. I'd miss practices for like church and stuff. So the only like the only real like they call me Jesus Boy. That was literally like my nickname on the, when I played for Mazzarellis. Shout out to Mazzarellis. Mm -hmm. um, when I so that, that like if you're talking about persecution, it's like embarrassing to even mention that. But like that was the risk. It was like my reputation was known. The, the kid who like had to go be the nerd and go sing in like you know a bad worship squad back then. Right. You know? So did you guys have any, like, or still do have any experience with when you really got saved, like, experiencing some sort of kickback from friends or family when that did happen? I mean, my family got saved all around the same time, so it wasn't exactly <laughs> like the, the same. Cornelius household. It's yeah, just, no, just, no, seriously. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was all within, Wait, like... All with that one brother you were talking... I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was all around the same time, and similar, similarly, like, I was really young, and my parents were the ones witnessing to my extended family. Now, as time has gone on, I've tried to keep, like, a, a good testimony and bring it up when I can, but, uh, it's not always easy. When I asked, do, do you want to add to it or no? Uh, I don't know. Do you have, like, an anecdote for I that? Or? Sorry, I didn't want to move on without saying that. Like, when I asked Pastor Vince, um, this question he said i don't have a great answer for a spouse who gets saved and i was like that is rough and his is like my biggest thing is like you may get saved um his his actual quote was like don't be a jerk about it mm -hmm. like you can't expect that spouse mm -hmm. to then love you so much they then accept the messiah because of you because that's not authentic salvation anyway they have your messiah not mm -hmm. he has their own you know they have their own yeah they'd have to i mean paul writes about this mm -hmm. but but uh yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's a long-suffering one Long, so yeah, because yeah. they're gonna resent you for tithing to mm -hmm. some of their money, you know, they're gonna resent you for leaving on Sunday mornings, resent you for leaving on you know, weeknights, getting a mentor, being weirder now, praying out, you know what I mean? <laughs> being weird, <laughs> to them, that's that was the whole point. Which, yeah, you're yeah. gonna be weird now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, generally, yeah. you're gonna be weird to them, so long suffering for sure. I didn't, I didn't mm. think of that one, like you get saved, and that's gotta be a, a tough, yeah, it's gotta be tough. But, yeah, well, did you have any experience for that? For the family one, I would just say um, not in the sense of becoming a believer because my family was always 
in the religious atmosphere, whatever, you know. But Scientologist? No, 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 no. Like Catholic and Lutheran, and then it would be, what? Well, what's the difference in that? And like, and why is yours all of a sudden right, and why is this one wrong? And now that you're in this one, I feel like you judge this one. Gotcha. You know, and so it's not like it wasn't going from like atheist stuff, but it was just going Talking from about like, Jesus wasn't mind blowing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who? Yeah, well, it wasn't <laughs> like that, but it was like, well, well, yeah. So do we at our church? I don't. Why, why, why can't you come with your family over here? Like, what's the difference? Why? And it's like, yeah, but yeah, and and so trying to really explain to them the difference, and you know, sometimes that would get in arguments, and and then eventually it was it just came down to this, like, well, they're they're either going to see the difference, or you can only talk, you can only say it so much. They need to see it lived, and yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I mean, as an encouragement. Like a story that's it's kind of blessed me for years when I worked at Halawaso, there was this um, young girl, um, um, initials HC. And if you're if you're a Kansas counselor, you know it, but I don't know out the kid. Um, but she um, was in Tall Pines, and which is like the eight to ten year olds, ten to eleven year olds, and she got saved, and um, she was a part of a like a Muslim family. And she was, like, real nervous to go home, but she was, like, really with it, man. She was, like, as smart as a whip mm. um, and, like, f- firmly grasped the gospel and accepted it and was, like, teaching other campers, like, that week. Um, and she was there for f- all five weeks of the camp. So it was, like, a month and a week yeah. of, of discipleship, man. It was real. All the counselors, like, the girls got, got her number and everything. And she went home. She had to hide her Bible, like, was reading it at night and stuff. And the next year she came back and her family was saved. Wow. Like she had. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Like the whole family, like they, they caught her study and they caught her like, and um, now like, I don't know about now, but when I'd finished working at the camp a few years later, the dad was like an elder in the church. Like, mm. so she like, God used this like beautiful little girl to like convert her family mm. to like saving knowledge. And all she had was just like this like undying, like diligence. And I'm not, I, I don't know what her walk is like today, but to me that story stuck out for like, you would think that someone stuck in their ways, you know, and had, their parents had been Muslim for most of their lives. Mm-hmm. And the passion of a little girl, like, was a light enough in their world to help them convert. Um, and, you know, if your family loves you, which they do, I think they'll respect you enough. You know, especially if you're a kid, man, you have, like, a lot of power. Like, if my daughter came home and, like, I said that they love, like, they were passionate about something and, like, in love... Um, and I were just sitting there and like, I'd heard about it before. Like I would, I don't know how I would either be angry about it or I would be like, all right, I gotta look into this guy. I gotta be on the same page as her. I don't want to lose my connection with her. Yeah. It would, is that what you're talking about? Like it, it would be like if you, if you had a daughter and she came back and was Hindu all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but she was genuine. And like, how do you handle that from the reverse effect? From yeah. The reverse. I mean, as if I didn't, if it's hard to say with coming from Christianity, cause I'm so I'm so sold on Christianity yeah. um, and and Jesus, but I would but, either be angry though from any thought, being like, yeah. "Are you kidding me?" You yeah. know, mm. or I would be moved to find more about it because I don't want to lose my relationship with her. Right. You know, like I, if it, I don't know. I'll study Buddhism just so I can stay close to her. You know, if I was an atheist, like I know it's a dumb religion, but I just want to be close to my kid. I oh, I thought you want to say I'm, I'm talking about from the as Christ- a Christian. No, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because her salvation's in the, in, but if I'm coming from any other perspective, like if I was Catholic or, you know, most of the, most, almost, we're the only religion that claims one way, right? 
Most, most, well, like even Judaism. I don't in, know. I mean, in the sense of there's one God. Yeah, but even like the Orthodox Jews today, like Ben Shapiro, like says like as long as you're passionate about your religion, you can get to heaven. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I would. Yeah, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, because you got like the Orthodox Hasidic Reform. Yeah, sure. Like I think they all different. Uh, so. I'm sure there are some that claim one way, but most are are just generalized. Yeah. And um, but anyway, I. I don't really know. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about the fact you might not be safe on this. prayer life here um as a whole i mean we've done quite a bit of uh, quite a few studies on these things um and so if if you see any others that mention prayer like we had one sinking swimming and mm, i think mm-hmm. that dealt a lot with prayer um you can do it that, that's a bible study on prayer but um like what we have here just like dismantle the preconceived notions about prayer so find out what prayer actually is just communicating with god yeah, look, somebody going in might think it's like, oh, he's this genie in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you just got to quickly give her, let's give her to that yeah. notion real quick, and, and yeah, and or then you need you need to recite specific prayers. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just simple things I would tell if I were mentoring somebody. It's like pray whatever's on your heart, talk to God, and then as yeah. you learn more about Him, your prayers will be more influenced. And I, I people who have, when I hear, and I'll just throw a name out there. When I ever hear Rue pray, yeah. I know she's reading her Bible a lot. Mm. Like she just prays the heart of God. Like when I yeah. when I hear her prayers, they're usually I'm like she's praying in the will of the Father mm. because she's reading the Bible enough to where like I hear her referencing and almost like speaking scriptures in her prayer, um, and it's because she reads and she studies and she knows God, mm-hmm. um, and so her prayers reflect that. So if you ju- if you haven't been able to do that yet, your prayers can be real simple. Mm-hmm. God, I love you. Yeah. You know? Or as my daughter prays, I uh, hope Pop Up feels better. <laughs> there yeah. you go. And he's, he's been well for a while now. <laughs> she's still praying. And thank you, Jesus, for dying in our hearts. Um, <laughs> she's confusing some theology. Um, and then, oh, so that's prayer life. And the, the the last one, I think it's more. Actually, this isn't the last one, but the last chunk we have here. Like, what if you are still in sin? What do you do now? So I have the Bible's answer, but we we can make it more practical in a little bit. What were we gonna say? I was going to say that the the question kind of implies you're not insane. There's you're people that aren't. that aren't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're asking this question, though, I assume the heart is: I have a sin that I know needs to go. What do I do about it? Right. All right. Like I don't think somebody like is saying like I might be angry three months from now. What am I going to do about that? Like this is like I have a besetting sin that I'm immediately convicted about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know that's um, that's what I think this question is or take it as. A besetting? Would you would you would you treat a besetting any besetting sin as it's fun besetting? Well, that's what that's what I'm gonna that's what I was doing in the oh, question. Okay. I was trying to teach through the no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> would you? I mean, would you would you equate that to almost like an addiction? Yeah. Similar similar ways to defeat it. You would you would take similar yeah. tactics to defeat it. Yeah, besetting sin is the primary thing that you're having trouble stopping doing. Right. Right, which would be an addiction, I guess. Yeah, yeah. For them, I mean, it's literally, but but yeah, yeah. 
So that's how it, yeah, it's a, that's a good definition of it. The yeah. that, like, Not like a physical addiction, but I mean. Yeah. Or maybe. Well, they could yeah, be in. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like you, you, I mean, and the Holy Spirit does that work in you, I believe. And, and yeah. like, it doesn't take long, I, I think, if you were to just sit down and be like, what's my, what's my problem? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, God's going to pull that out. Like, the law is written on your hearts, you know. And like you said, uh, or not like you said, but like we had the whole cover- we had the whole one about about finally free, like the book, of, like like any mm-hmm. sin that you want, like there's practical ways to do it, like mm-hmm. yeah, get, getting rid of certain things, not going to certain places, like yeah, it, how bad do you really want to get rid of it? And there's practical ways to do it. Yeah, um, the initial thing, I like giving good news when I'm if I were discipling somebody. So you might, I mean, I know Christians sometimes get soft on some of the 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 laws of not laws of God, but like sometimes they compromise areas of the Bible because they don't want to deliver the hard news about what God actually says. Mm. And and Leviticus eleven forty four through um, you know John First um, Peter one thirteen, I mean, there reference First uh, Peter references Leviticus, and Leviticus says, "For I am the Lord your God; consecrate yourselves, therefore, be holy, for I am holy, mm-hmm. and you shall not make for yourselves." unclean with any swarming things, a swarm of the earth. For I am the Lord God who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be called holy for I am holy. And like that passage, if you, as you read the Bible, you'll, you'll see the story of Israel and how God called them out, redeemed them from Egypt, um, and is calling them to be separate and holy, right? And that's what God has just done with you. He's called you out. He's redeemed you. And he's asking you to be holy. Because in First Peter, it says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in mind. Fix your hope completely on grace might be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Mm. So he's quoting yep. Leviticus here. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's the same concept. Like, just, just, I mean, to repeat this truth to yourself daily, that God called you out. He has redeemed you. And he's calling you to his holiness. That doesn't leave room for you to be complacent with things you know God is calling you from. Because holiness means separate. Right. And God is the most separate, right? So God is perfect and holy, and, and we're striving to be like him. This is in the first Peter's when he talks about royal, to bring it back to, is he talking about royal priesthood there? Like, we're royal, think so. royal priest. Right. So it's going on that theme where it's like, yeah. Yeah, so what my whole point in, in bringing this up is the Bible from it's the whole story about Jesus from Leviticus, mm-hmm. one of the hardest books to, to read through, mm-hmm. one of the driest. And if you're cool, you love it for some weird reason. He's a pro Pharisee, loves Leviticus. We come back, he's got the curls on the <laughs> <laughs> scrolls like yeah. that. Um, if you are if you're if you're reading, you know, and seeing that that God is calling us out to be different and you know that God has placed on your heart to, to free yourself from those sins, um, start doing those things. Like Joseph, take the practical steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes and back to the transparency with the mentor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of your sins might be embarrassing. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, just small things too. Like you were telling mm-hmm. me, um, Joe, like during, I don't know if it was during your trip to Israel or just when you read about it, that there is no like, pro- <laughs> not making a joke. Um, <laughs> that felt like a joke. No, okay. it wasn't. It's just going to be making a joke. Um, that, um, there's no privacy in like the housing. Yes. Right. That's like the, really a lot of, more, most places than here. 
So like the I don't know about doors being open, but like everything's made out of like stucco and like you yeah. know, clay and like so there there is yep. not like a lot of sound barriers. There's yep. the windows that don't aren't that great. Like a lot of places. I mean, you've been you've I don't know where you were, but I mean, you've been, definitely you've haven't been, through, been Israel though. No, you've been through the Mediterranean where a lot of the Mediterranean yeah. is similar, where it's like houses built out of like concrete and stone and no, like, yeah, no doors for the fact that it's like it keeps you warm in the winter but cold in the summer and. It's just built different because it's the, or the lands of the climate, but yeah, and resources, it, and, yeah, and it, so that makes a culture that's more public and transparent, yeah, right. So it's right. like forced, so it's, it's, it's forced. it was harder yeah. to sin privately, correct? Yeah, yeah, especially. I mean, you didn't. I mean, if you had a family of f- with five kids, they didn't have five separate bedrooms. No, correct, right? right. So right. you usually yeah. had like little bunks, or they were yeah. sitting next to each other. And most of the kids were in one room, and the parents had their own. So two bedroom houses was like the standard, at least in Greece when I was there. Yeah. Um, you did, unless you had you were really wealthy or whatever, but mo- the average person. So you were growing up, and your brothers knew your problems. You mm-hmm. know, if you were drinking, they were aware. If you were, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It goes back to transparency. So uh, whatever it might like, we have um, some of the examples here, like premarital sex, homosexuality, addictions, emotional sin, um, anger. I, I don't want to say these um, as in these ones matter more than others, but they're usually the ones that do hear about. Um, from people like premarital sex is a tough one because you might be in a relationship already where that's been initiated, you know, and now yeah. you may have to have an awkward conversation with them. Well, nowadays, person. there's like there's like apps for it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like I'm just saying, like Tinder. Tinder like that yeah. One, yeah, this wouldn't have been a problem 15 years ago or yeah. 10 years, whatever. It's a yeah, it's a social norm outside of yeah moral law, like mm-hmm. in any you know religion. So you might be in active sin in that way, mm-hmm. um, and. It is not – you can find excuses until the end, but, I mean, God has, like, very clear delineations. And it's not, like, a punishment, like, slapping your hand on the wrist. It's, like, he is calling you something bigger and more beautiful right. than what you're currently doing. And thank God that you are now addressing this these issues after salvation. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't have to fix any of those things to right. be where yeah. you are. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. For like, why we'll, yeah. Why we, while we were still sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then are you cool with that? Anything you want to add? But if you're still insane, no. I mean that's that's a, that one's that's, that one's just a lot easier said than done. One, yeah. yeah. And there's really nothing you can say. Like that's it. And, and in case your listeners are wondering, I still have a besetting sin. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna and say like it's it's too. not. Yeah, but it, it sounds I am like actively def- conquering it. It sounds defeatist to say like uh, you're gonna have one and it's gonna uh, or you might have multiple and they'll, they, or they'll they come might change. up. Yeah, like, or they might change. Yeah, and it's so. really ultimately the Holy Spirit's job through sanctification to change it in yeah. you yeah. over the years. Yeah, and that besetting sin that when if if it's not if it is transparent and you do change is a really powerful testimony. And some mm-hmm. of the most powerful Christians I know have like by the power of the Holy Spirit kind of overcome the besetting sin, and that becomes a really intense part of their testimony which inspires other people and that can be used part of a church you were looking at from a seeker mentality okay so we have you're learning how to read the bible you have an active mentor you're plugged into a church you're trying to sort out the parts of your life that need sanctification need holiness and you really are getting it 
Like that, that's a it's a that's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing all these things, I promise God will bless you, and you will have mm-hmm. a much more joyful life. Not saying happier, wealthier, but you have a much more joyful life doing um, uh, Christianity the way the Bible is laying it out before you. Now it's time for you to start giving back, right? So you, this may even be like a month or two in, right? So you're going to start to see the parts of yourself that holiness needs to sanctify, or God needs to sanctify to make you more holy. And then you're going to start to see as, as those things kind of fade away where your gifts, talents, and abilities are. And when you find those, then you need to start contributing to the kingdom. So how would you, I mean, my advice, how would you guys go about trying to identify what God has gifted you in? Like what would be your first step? You've been mentored for a few months. You're trying to get, you know, your feet wet, understand. And you're like, all right, God, now I'm ready to be used. Like what, what would you do? Uh, oof. <laughs> I, I think the first thing would come back to your mentor. If you have, yeah. it's been a couple months and they should know you, know what you've studied and what you've learned so far. They should know generally what you're, uh, have, what's a, persuasion towards i I don't know um because that is three different things spiritual gifts talents and abilities uh like your talents and abilities can be just things that you are just naturally good at just doing things um and the spiritual gifts is one that's a little bit more nuanced in the fact that they're meant to build up the church the specific things that paul lists out and um who else lists them out oh no he lists them out in two different places um so they're just a little bit more specific but a, a, a talent could be you're great at playing drums. Cool. There's a if your church has drums and you play them for worship, there's a great way to use your your talent for playing drums. Yeah, I think the the, the great first step is to ask your mentor. Yeah, like, I know I, that's s- a that's a long answer. No, no, it's good. no. I'm saying it was I, I was going to say the same thing. Like you ask your mentor, like what do you see in me? Yeah. Like how can you assess me? Assess the church. Where should I start? Right. It, it's kind of similar. You know, I'm not even going to make that analogy, but it's 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 because you're going to have your own desires, yeah. and they, your desires might not be your gifts, talents, and abilities. Yeah, correct. The analogy. What was your analogy? Because I've I've, I've I thought of one too. Well, I was going to say with that, like, um, it kind of goes back to how we're talking about like reading scriptures. Like, you're going to read certain things into it, into your preconceived notions, yeah. and it's got you. You need somebody else to like unbiasedly, unobjectively, not based on. <laughs> Past pain that you feel, or not based on if you lived in another country or like this is what it really meant. Yeah, to, you know it's like you're not reading anything into it. So like, it's kind of the analogy didn't land, but you're gonna have your own desires like anybody would desire to. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just sing for elevation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the analogy I thought of was like if if your mentor is kind of the coach and like say you're right. playing soccer, right? Yeah. And and you want in your brain you're a striker mm-hmm. and you're yeah. like a finish, and then yeah. you're like. Coach, where do you see me? He's like, I see you as a midfielder because your strengths are actually spreading the ball around. You have a good endurance. You can mm-hmm. last most of the game. Like, you're you're quick, but you're not the fastest. And they can assess you off things you may not be honest with yourself. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. And then you put you in the position bias. that actually benefits the team. So, yeah. like, what if you're like, you know, mentor, I think I'm a leg. Right. And then he's like, you're actually a, a toenail. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> um, and so in the body of Christ, you're, you're functioning in a way that keeps mm-hmm. the body up, but you didn't see it, you know, that naturally. Yeah, it goes back into Acts when they needed help to serve the – uh, Hellenistic widows at the at mm-hmm. the table. It's like they didn't. They prayed and deliberately picked certain people to help them. There wasn't just like who, who wants to, you know. It wasn't yeah, just like yeah, a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I mean, outside of that though, I think if you don't get any kind of resolution from your mentor or you don't have you don't know, just pick something and mm-hmm. try it. And children's ministry, if you're not creepy and you're 
you know, you're. I'm just being honest. Like if you're, if, if, if you know, teach you the milk, yeah, teach you the milk and some meat. And it's a every church lacks helpers mm-hmm. in that area, so you'll help the church, and then if you don't fit, they'll quickly discover that and put you mm-hmm. um, somewhere else where you belong. I would also put another category here. So we have gifts, talents, and abilities, and I would put like blessings in the sense of like your blessings might not always be one of the one of these like might not, might, might not be a good thing. Maybe you just got saved and you went you really went through it with your family. Well, yeah. now you can be a blessing to somebody else who's going through that, mm. or so like your your experience through life, your experience through life, mm-hmm. or or like you said, maybe maybe you came from Islam and now you're it's yeah. like okay, well go you that's a unique thing. Not a lot of people, well, you know, depending where you live, have gone through that. So let that be your, you know, it doesn't have to be. We immediately think, you know, it could just be your blessings, and a lot mm. of times blessings aren't good, but they're yeah. That's another dismantling preconceived notions of what a blessing is, but they don't have to be good. The blessing bad that way that way they can be used for God's yeah. The blessing itself may have not been good in the world's perspective, but how you use Use it it is what you're saying. That's what was confusing me the whole time. I was like, yeah, got it. So when you say like bless you, it's like an insult. You know, it can be. You're like, hope you get a disease, (laughs) so you can glorify God with it. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, that's a good point. So gifts. I, this is um, this is a tough one because it's so it's kind of everybody's unique and it's there's not like a clear cut way. You know, you may go talk to your mentor; they may have no idea, and they're just like, I, I don't know what you be, I don't know what the best with the, thing with the spirits, yeah, the yeah, gifts, yeah. and everything. Because I've struggled to find mine at certain points in my life where I wasn't sure, and it was frustrating, and yeah, kind of just kept like plugging away and serving, and like God does eventually sift the, you know, the gifts and talents, and bring them out to the forefront. Uh, he still has it for me, but I, I think you will. I'm just kidding. Um, um, <laughs> I'm really good at uh, the triangle. Um, all right, so um, Cole, did you want to? You have something here about uh, milk and uh, meat, like yeah, we, we, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> something about lactating. Yeah. Yeah. Lactating. Well, we we mentioned it a couple times, like the the milk of the word, or or the meat of the word. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I just wanted to to make the references to those. So in First mm-hmm. Peter two one through three, it says, "Therefore, lay aside all malice and uh, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the glory that that the Lord is gracious." Sorry, and then also. Hebrews five twelve through fourteen. Therefore, through this, through by this time, you ought to be teachers that need someone to teach you again the first principles of the uh, oracles of God. And you have <clears throat> come to need the milk and not solid foods. For everyone who partakes only of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But the solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who, uh, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, like, this idea that there is things in the Bible that are easy to understand and easy to get, and the milk of the word, things that are easy to process. And then there's there might be some things that you might need to chew on mm. and might take a little bit more time to understand. You might have to do multiple references across the Bible. We've talked a lot that the Bible has themes, and the whole thing connects beautifully together. So it's important at the beginning, that you are taking in the milk of the word and not jumping into the meat of the word. Because yeah. you, you miss and you're chewing on things that you might not be able to wrap your head around at the beginning. Yeah, like in your first week of studying, you should not be seeing the word transubstantiation. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. just not, yeah, not a not good helpful. look. And, and Paul and, uh, not Paul, Peter and the writer of Hebrews, 
it might sound harsh, but they're using this baby language because it's true. You don't give a baby solid food to be and they're going to choke and die. Like that's, yeah. it's harsh because it's true. They're using like a, a live example. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect because then when you're older, though, you, you'll you just be weak and inefficient. Correct. If yeah, you're just as, chugging breast milk in the corner. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it says to, to start as this newborn babes who have the desire for milk. They They want to feed and they want to grow, but eventually milk isn't nourishing as much as solid food would be. Mm-hmm. So if you're a new believer, I wouldn't get discouraged on the milk of the word. But then eventually there does come a time where you have to transition. Mm. So... I was going to say, and I think only the individual will know. Correct. Yeah. Like, you know, when you when you're on the milk, and then eventually it's just not enough anymore, or your your hunger is so much mm-hmm. more. Like you're like, I know there's more to this. I know, like, you'll be able to tell. Or in com- like. or in combination, like we've said a lot with your, your mentor, which is why the the yeah. first point is the mentorship because that's so important, as they're the one help guiding you through the journey. But then the last little point, and we said this when we were going through Hebrews, actually. That eventually, sometimes we forget the milk. As people who are eating the meat of the word, forget sometimes mm-hmm. the milk of the word and the, the concepts and the, the basic things about God. And it, there, there's two ways. You can either go back through it through yourself, but I think the better part and calling us out as people who, are, uh, who have studied and are taking in the meat of the word is to teach it to somebody else. Because then you are getting the milk of the word back again. Provide and you're just teaching. Yeah, yeah, you're providing it. You're then going back through it constantly. And so you're getting both. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think so too. I mean, the analogy is like, it's, it's spot on for like all, you know, Bible did a nice job, but I'm saying like, in terms <laughs> yeah. of like I, I, having uh, <clears throat> a wife that's nursing in the house <laughs> like currently, like it is wild, like how all this stuff works, where it's like, even if, if she eats something that's like spicy or has tomatoes in it, the milk's bad. <laughs> and so like what you're ingesting, you know, becomes what you're producing. And so even if like you're a mentor and you're, and you're, you know, feeding the milk to somebody, your milk's bad if you are not properly studying on your own and, mm. and, and wow. chewing the meat. Um, and so like if she's drinking milk, she can't provide milk. It doesn't work. Like you won't mm. have enough calories and, mm-hmm. and she'll start to get weak and then she won't mm-hmm. be able to provide. So like it, it works up the ladder for the mentor. It works down the ladder mm-hmm. for the disciple. E. Um, and even like tonight, I was thinking when you're talking, like the ch- it's tough to chew. Like I did the grocery shopping last week because um, I picked it up, and mm-hmm. I like whatever she gives me the things, I get the cheaper version of whatever it is, like the shop right version of it. <laughs> yeah, because I don't. It's like on my credit card that week. So they uh, this it said like steak, and so I got like London broil, which I, I didn't realize was just like the beef jerky of, yeah. of steaks. Because um, I'm just like it's steak, like I'll cook it right. No. And um, <clears throat> after 50 chews <laughs> for each bite. Um, like, uh, you know, we cut it up real small for a- Addison, but like, she was just like, dad, my jaw hurts. Like you couldn't, so like even, even for her, like, you know, the meat was too tough for even mm-hmm. someone who was like making some progress to, mm-hmm. to chew, you know? So there's the milk and then there's like, you know, you get, you eventually move to solids, but the solids can't be really mm-hmm. chewy yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, you know, they right. worked their way up to like me chewing for an hour and a half trying to get steak down. Um, and I think specifically we mentioned it while studying Hebrews, that solid foods word there for for people who are studying that it is like uh, it, it's gonna sound gross but like the the cud of a cow that's constantly chewing their food and like regurgitating it's the fact that it's constantly on your mind you're constantly studying this mm. thing until you've not that you've got it but that you have an understanding of it it's not like a passing god loves you kind of thing right. and, oh that's an easy it's like cool that went down easily it's like a constant mm-hmm. not just because the substance is there but the fact of the constantly being engaged on the thought of it right and I think you have all, all the all the epistles, Paul's epistles. You're like seeing firsthand 
people transitioning from milk to meat, which is where all the correction comes from, which is where like the harsh harshness mm. comes from. It's like you're you're watching it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. So like the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're their own thing. Then you get Acts, is like seeing this kingdom come into earth, mm-hmm. and then you get the Epistles, where it's like okay, you're watching them learn and fail and fall and succeed and 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 you're seeing all happen unfold before your eyes and where they would say like all right it's time to yeah it's time to move on yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I like the idea like you said it like one thing and you chew on it for a while mm-hmm. i think about like any bible study or even devotions or anything like that i've done that are have like changed me or when there's a something that like stuck out and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And then I, I bring it up to somebody like, what do you think about say, this? I was going to say that thing, I feel bad for the people around me Bless because you. then I get stuck on one thing and that's all I think about. That or insult, that's from yesterday? <laughs> no, no, bless you. Like, uh, yeah. I thought you so, yesterday. Sorry, I, I, so I hope you get a hangnails on that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no, I just like, I, I get fixated and that just might be my personality as well. But like I get fixated on this idea or thing that I'm like studying and it's like, that's all I can think about. That's all I'm studying. So this week it's breast milk? It's breast milk this okay. week, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. So, and like everything else I'm reading out in the Bible connects to it and I'm like pulling out these connections and I'm bringing it up to Joe again. Or I'm bringing, and it's just like, yeah. I feel bad for the people around. Like I'm, no, they're, they're probably sick of me saying the same thing. Like there was a time, I, what was I? Every single thing was talking about because I was going through like Matthew at the end of Matthew, talking about uh, like the kingdom of God and everything. I was just like laser focused on this for yeah. probably like two or three months. All right, so can you monologue next episode about the kingdom of God? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 I probably. Could. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like even um, two weeks ago, like I've been reading through Genesis and I like mm-hmm. I was like con- confused about like the inception of Israel and like not confused but like I didn't. I was I didn't agree with like it didn't what I was reading didn't make sense about like, the blessing and the Esau, Esau and Jacob and then being switched mm-hmm. and then the person who stole the blessing still got the blessing of Israel and like I was like I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand why God like let the person who inherently was like unfaithfully obtaining the blessing then still be the father, you know have nations mm-hmm. come out of him and like and it just went to Wednesday and just like brought up the Joe we just like talked about it for twenty minutes and the pastor came over and you know mm-hmm. added some lens to it and all that comes from you know. I guess I guess there's some people out there that that's milk to them, you know. But for me, that's cur- yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we were talking about that. The other there's day. always yeah. people that are smarter, and like whatever yeah. I'm doing is milk. Um, but to me, that was meat at the time, and I just helped somebody else chew it with me. I don't know, mm-hmm. baby birded it back and forth, you know, until we got it. Oh, yeah, we were, we were talking about this the other day, where it's like things that we've talked about on this podcast that are like blowing our minds. This is like milk. This is like to NT right or somebody like that, or like you yeah. know, like. There's people like so far advanced. This like, yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then past them, there's God. So there's that's a big me. Jump. Yeah, there's a big jump there. So, <laughs> yeah, no. So I mean, I um, I, I guess one thing just to finish this off. I I um, found this really good article by a guy named Matt Brown that it just talks about um, carrying the whole infancy uh, analogy out um, and. Um, about new believers, like how, how I'm just going to say them real quick. So like, how, how do you, um, what are the characteristics of infants that reflect your process right now as, as a sanctifying believer? Um, mm-hmm. and like you need food, but you're not able to feed yourself yet. Right. So find a mentor. That's the first principle. Second one is uh, you sleep most of the time. Like my baby should be sleeping most of the time. Um, uh, but she wakes up, screams, and you know. Um, but you, um, a lot of the time, you're still going to be trying to figure this out. You'll get into kind of some slumps sometimes, and then the, the goal is to then wake back up and try. So don't get discouraged if you don't feel that high of like getting saved. Um, 
sometimes you'll make a lot of noise that don't make sense to anybody except your spiritual parents who love you. So um, sometimes you're going to get all worked up about something or you'll get hyper-focused on something like, you know, um, your mentor, people that love you should not be bothered by it. Um, you know, if, if a baby's crying on a plane, I'm angry, right? But if it's mine, I'm just stressed that other people might be angry, yeah. but I'm not mm -hmm. mad at my kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not I'm like, I get it. You're supposed to be crying. You probably pooped yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but then if I check in three things and you're still crying, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. You Is that self monologue right. you had or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it makes sense to the people who love them. Uh, a new believer exercises almost constantly, but sometimes you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Um, so if you're working really hard, you don't get the, the results that you want, just keep at it. Um, you will eventually conquer whatever that thing you're trying to conquer is. Um, and then this one's funny. The new believer is certain to dirty their diaper with astounding regularity. Um, so you're going to make mistakes that other people will see and just ask for forgiveness and keep moving. Um, and if you hold yourself to the standard of you're just going to get saved and everything's going to work out, you didn't read the Bible yet, then you just start there. Because, like, you look at Peter, who's, you know, if you look at the people who God says he loved most and, like, mm -hmm. he's you look at the list of disciples, Peter's listed first because he was the closest with God and, and God considered him the closest. Um, and all the Gospels record him as, like, the one who was most bold and followed God the hardest. And he was one of the biggest screw-ups in, in, in the New Testament, right? Like, denying Christ three times and, you know... Um, chopping ears off, chopping ears off, and being given the name Stone because he was hard, you know. Um, so each of those men that were called the disciples, they made lots of mistakes on their pursuit of Christ and um, in understanding Him, and so will you. But um, hopefully, this helped give some practicality and clarity, and if nothing else, like a human explanation of what's to come, All right? Because your pastor, wherever you are, there might be some like superficial like air around them that like everything's going to be easy and great and um we're here to tell you that it's going to be hard and there's going to be times where it's not easy but um you've been called to something greater than comfort so uh, it's exciting yeah and for the people and i like what he comments there and he says the as believers we can't look at new believers and hold them to the same sense of maturity yeah and expectation that yeah. we're not holding long-term believers in yeah. currently you know yeah it's a good point we expect this quick turnaround that we're not even that we didn't go through yeah that we didn't we, go through we, or, that, <laughs> yeah, or that people currently that have been along aren't, aren't you know it's yeah it's a, like a forgetting beating. where you've come from realizing that i'm mm -hmm. not the same person i was yesterday a year ago two years ago five years ago and it's been a journey to get where i am today and not expecting somebody who two weeks as a christian to understand uh, hermeneutics and like all, all the stuff that I've just learned over the past couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, um, I am praying that this is, uh, uh, impactful or even, um, if you're listening to this and you pick up some, like you, somebody who's a new believer and you don't want to send this to them and you just want to take some of the points and just tell them, please do, but let this be a tool used for the glory of God. Um, and not to let people stray after they come to know Christ. So mm -hmm. if you were listening and that's you, um, uh, we're going to pray for you before we finish this episode. Um, but if you are just listening as a believer who's been listening to the podcast for a while and you are sanctified, um, pray how God can use you in a new believer's life. Don't just rely on the podcast to be the, you know, all they need, be the mentor, be the, um, you know, the discipler. So you guys are good to wrap up with some prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, father God, um, tonight as, uh, Sean Albert's driving in his car, um, listening to us, 
Um, God, I, I pray that we, um, our words were edifying. We gave an accurate reflection of what it's like, at least today, um, to follow you and, and um, the principles that kind of bleed from your word that we can hold on to and some practical advice for someone who may um, have decided to follow you and, and be so excited um, to take the next steps, but then falter and, and uh, may not know um, what the, which ground is firm and which ground is soft with the next step they take. Um, so, Father God, I, I pray that our words give them confidence with their feet um, and that you are the light unto their path. And, um, Father, for all the mentors out there, all the disciplers, I pray that you give them strength and guidance and wisdom. And um, um, I, I pray that you match the right um, disciple with the right discipler um, in churches around the world um, so that um, we can strengthen the kingdom, strengthen the church, and we can see a new generation of people um, step up and, and bring the church to new heights. Um, so, Father, um, thank you for all the resources you've given us. Thank you for this podcast. And um, I pray for um, all the parties involved that may um, experience the result of this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into the Encounter podcast and being part of the Encounter community. We treat this podcast as a ministry. We pray for it. We pray for our listeners and we pray that the guests and the information and the gospel that we share on this channel and this media platform are always and only glorifying to Christ and Christ alone. And while we do that, guys, our podcast sometimes spans one to three hours. So if you hear anything that you disagree with while we are speaking, which is highly likely, be Berean Christians, you have a few options. The first one would be to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. The second one would be to know that your and our authority should be and always be the scripture. So before you take anything at our word, please open the pages of your Bible, read them and find out what absolute truth looks like. Find it. And then the next step would be to reach out to us. And we would love to learn from our listeners um, as you are listening through a one-way communication to about our podcast. So please reach out to us with questions, concerns. We want to be held accountable. We want to have conversations. We want to see actual growth. But first, take a deep breath. Second, open your Bible. And three, give us a shout out. Have a blessed week.